This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Well, Dave, the debates will rage on in light of uh, Patrick Mahomes winning another Super Bowl last night. Is he the greatest of all time? Is he the greatest quarterback of all time? The greatest human being of all time, perhaps? Who knows? Uh, A man who knows a thing or two about him is with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. He's a writer for The Athletic, also author of a book called Kingdom Quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs, and how a once swinging cow town chased the ultimate comeback. How about that for a title? Uh, Rustin Dodd is with us. Rustin, how are you, sir? I'm doing really well. How are you guys? I'm doing great. Uh, you, you wrote that book on Patrick Mahomes. I'm guessing you were watching with uh, with bated breath last night as this game got very compelling in the second half, and he once again is uh, part of a debate on in light of another Super Bowl title. He's uh, 28 years old. Is he the greatest ever? What, what, what was your What was your feeling in writing this book about him? That that he's a guy that you feel is underrated, overrated, or rated properly. Well, you know, the book came out at the beginning of this season. So, uh, you know, I, I covered the Super Bowl last year and, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we had an idea that the Chiefs, you know, were kind of on the cusp of a, of a possible dynasty when we started it on the book. Uh, last year's Super Bowl, I think, was sort of the, the validation that they were on the right track. Um, and then last night was really, I think, the kind of, it was official that, this is sort of, uh, you know, if not, you know, a, a Patriot style dynasty or, you know, not, you know, like a, a Yankees or, a you know, Boston Celtics of, you know, a different generation. It there certainly can can lay claim to being the dynasty of of this era in the NFL. Um, and I think, you know, as, as somebody who grew up in Kansas City, it's it's I, I, I know this sounds kind of strange, but, you know, when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl in 2019, it was the first Super Bowl in 50 years. It was, you know, maybe one of the biggest moments in the history of Kansas City. But it felt like the beginning. It just felt like this was going to happen continually. And I, I, you know, you can't really just, you know, you know it better than anybody uh, in Seattle. It's, you know, you win one Super Bowl, you get back to another, and then, and then you, you, know, you think it's going to happen over and over again. But there was just this feeling in Kansas City that it was going to happen over and over again. And the fact that it is um, – I think it's it just kind of speaks to you know that Patrick Mahomes is this different you know he's he may not be you know um, you know significantly better than the other quarterbacks in the NFL but he is better and and he's really hard to beat. Hey Rustin, tell us about um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna rush out and get this book or maybe just order it off of Amazon that might be easier but uh, <laughs> uh, tell us about like the kind of access that you had to him and you know how you approached him in in um, embarking on this uh, this project well you know it's a good question so I mean I, I've um, never covered the Chiefs on like a beat level but uh spent a lot of time you know covering um, professional sports the NFL baseball and, and worked at the Kansas City Star for a long time so the book is sort of a dual biography. It's kind of a, you know, a, a, a biography of Mahomes to this point, but then also sort of an exploration of Kansas City and sort of why football sort of means so much uh, in places like Kansas City and sort of just looking at cities like Kansas City in general and sort of just sort of the, the trajectory of a Midwestern kind of city, kind of that mid-tier, smaller kind of place. Um, and so, you know, we had we did a lot of reporting sort of just on sort of the how – 
this era of Chiefs football has kind of come to be. You know, you know, Andy Reid, their general manager, Brett Veach, and Patrick Mahomes, they've kind of created this sort of triumvirate. Um, you know, I don't want to – obviously, Travis Kelsey is a, a big part of it as well. Um, and so sort of just doing a lot of reporting on sort of how this has come to be and also a lot of reporting on just, you know, Patrick Mahomes, his, his, his childhood in East Texas, his family, his, his background, and the sort of just how he became what he became. Um, and, but, you know, also he's 28 years old and, you know, we, we didn't really want to say that this is, you know, you know, exactly he's a finished product, you know, he's, he's still a really young player. So it's, mm-hmm. it's sort of a, a biography with a twist, I guess you might say. And so, uh, you know, I was around the chiefs a bunch in the last few years, but it wasn't necessarily like, you know, we're, we're trying to tell you definitively who Patrick Mahomes is. It was more about like, Hey, we're trying to tell you this is, you know, potentially the best quarterback of all time, and this is how, this is how it began. Do you feel like he's a guy that, and I don't know a ton about his family. Obviously, his dad was a professional ball player, uh, but his dad's been in the news for all the wrong reasons. His third DUI. Uh, I don't know anything about his brother. Anytime I hear anybody bring him up, it's in a very negative way. He is not a well liked individual, and he was up on a sexual assault charge recently feels like he's sort of succeeding in spite of what he's surrounded by. What, what do you know about his family and his relationship with them? You know, it's a good question because so, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes grew up in uh, White House, Texas, just outside of Tyler. Uh, so, it's, you know, East Texas, a smaller place. And I think you get a sense if you just kind of follow Patrick Mahomes casually that that might be the case. And But I, I actually think that the stuff we see, you know, is I think a lot of families have dysfunction in them, right? If, if everybody is normal until you get to know them kind of situation. And Patrick Mahomes just happens to be from a family where I think because of, of who he is, people have gotten to know kind of who he, his family is. But I think that there is something kind of, you know, he grew up uh, in a relatively stable kind of uh, environment, uh, you know, um, with a you know a father who had been a professional athlete, um, two sets of grandparents who were you know growing up where he you know in the same community as him, um, and you know I think you know if you you know similar to maybe like a Steph Curry or a Clay Thompson or I, I'm trying to think of the other you know kind of second generation players in Tyler in that community he was really kind of you know known as you know Pat Mahomes' son um, and. And he had just such a knack at such a young age for, for, you know, pretty much every sport he played that, you know, when you talk to coaches who coached him in elementary school or high school, it's everybody kind of treated him like kind of like a treasure, you know, from, from a really young age. And I think you see sort of the maturity. I don't know, you know, how often you've seen, you know, his, you know, press conferences or interviews or whatever. Mm-hmm. He sort of has a knack for saying the right thing. You know, he doesn't always the most interesting things in the world, at least in interviews, but he just sort of never makes a wrong foot publicly or takes the wrong foot publicly. Um, and I think people saw that from a young age too, that he just sort of had a maturity beyond his years. So I think, you know, his dad was really present in his uh, athletic career uh, from a young age. And, you know, his, he was raised by his mom. His parents were, you know, separated and divorced. He was fairly young. So, you know, I think there you see sort of the some of the you know outward dysfunction, or I don't know if that's the right word, but I, I think he also came from a really kind of 
for the most part, pretty stable, pretty childhood upbringing. If you look around in your family and there's no weirdos, you're the weirdo. That's that's uh, that's what I think. Uh, but hey, tell tell us about his um, relationship with with Andy Reid. Andy Reid just both those guys just seem like the the nicest guys, and you know, just like you said, he typically says all the right things, and then you know, and, and Andy Reid. I mean, you know, he's got some people in his family that have, have had some. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's a, a bonding moment or not between those two, but just tell us about that relationship. Well, I think it starts with the fact that both of them are football obsessives. They're they're kind of football junkies. Um and that may sound a little cliche, but I I think one of the you know, the things that I find most fascinating about Patrick Holmes is that people will talk about him how he has this sort of uh photographic memory, uh that he has this sort of recall for, for plays, moments and this goes back to, you know, sort of high school. It's like if you ever ask him about a game he played in high school, he would he would be able to tell you in detail about, you know, the running back on the other team and the plays. And, wow. and you know, I think a lot of, you know, elite athletes have this, but his is sort of on a different level. Um, and so he has sort of this mind for thinking through stuff. And, you know, I think if on a most like normal nights, if you like, what is Patrick Mahomes doing? I think he's watching ESPN, you know, like he's, he's just watching the other sports. Like he's just kind of consumed by competition, interested in athletes in like, you know, he, he loves, you know, like the Dallas Mavericks and, you know, watching NBA basketball or, or watching baseball or, you know, he's just sort of, you know, obsessed with it all. And so just take it back to Andy Reed. I think Andy Reed is also equally obsessed with football. And I think, you know, with their marriage is that you have, a coach who is consumed with like creative play designs, spending hours and hours going through tape, thinking about this stuff. And he has a quarterback that he can sort of bond on that same level of of football. Um, And so I I think that's where it starts for them. And I, I, you know, I think Andy Reid, you know, his, one of the staples of the things that have made him a great coach is that, you know, players love him. Um, You know, I, I think he doesn't always show it, you know, publicly, but he has kind of those soft skills to be able to relate to anybody in a, in a locker room. Um, and I think, you know, I think Patrick Mahomes and him share that gift too, where it's like, no matter who you're having a conversation with, it could be the commissioner of the NFL. It could be somebody, you know, that's serving you lunch. You're able to make a a kind of a personal connection. And, um, I think they both kind of share that gene as well. Did Mahomes change your opinion on anything you thought about him, sort of a preconceived notion maybe you held going into this, and then when you came out of it, you're like, wow, that's totally different than I anticipated? Um, n- not really. I mean, I think the fascinating thing about Patrick Mahomes, and this changed a little bit this year because if you look at his numbers in the regular season, he had by far his worst season statistically. Um, so, so his numbers have, have come back a little bit, but – the, the interesting thing about Patrick Mahomes is, is like if you study, if you watch him play, he's he's fascinating to watch. He's fun to watch. He's compelling. His style. He plays generally entertaining games. He makes amazing plays. I think he pulls in people who are like casual fans that you know aren't that interested in football. They can turn on a Chiefs game and and find him interesting to watch. Uh, but if you actually study the numbers too, he's actually maybe better than people even realize. Like you know, there's all of these advanced statistics, you know, like 
you know, yards per play, but, you know, yards per attempt and other like, you know, other advanced ways to uh, look at football, you know, DVOA stats, but more on like an individual level. Uh, and if you kind of chart him next to guys in the NFL, it's like, it's kind of off the chart um, in, in terms of, and, and I think, you know, that, that shows just sort of the level that he's playing at and maybe nobody's played at a higher level. And so I, I think, and this may sound crazy now because maybe this will not be the case going forward after he's won third, a third Super Bowl in five years. But I think maybe even leading up to this postseason run, I think you could make the argument that he was actually a little bit underrated. Um, and, you know, maybe that'll kind of shift and, and over the next year or so. But um, maybe that was the one thing that kind of came about was that even at, at the time as we were doing the book, it was like, all right, people know this is the best quarterback in football. And, um, but do people quite realize what he's actually doing and how impressive it is? Well, if he keeps going at this pace, you may have to do a sequel, Rustin. So uh, we, we, we will all sit back and watch this man work his magic for years to come, hopefully. Uh, Rustin Dodd has been our guest, author of uh, the book Kingdom Quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs, and how a once swinging cow town chased the ultimate comeback. Also a writer for The Athletic. Great stuff, Rustin. We appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. There you go. There's Rustin Dodd getting a close look at Patrick Mahomes, uh, writing a book about him and I don't know. Who knows if he's got three, four more Super Bowl wins in his future? Yeah, there's going to be part two, three, yeah. and four. Um, I was going to ask him the last question, but I, I guarantee you, I, I know the answer. He, dude can't go anywhere, he can't, oh, yeah. especially in Kansas City. Especially I mean, he he can't blend in because he doesn't look like anybody. He's got a unique look and that yeah. voice. As soon as he speaks, people yeah. are going to go. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Nobody sounds yeah. like him. You're standing in line, all of a sudden you hear, hear that voice. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that voice, you immediately your head's gonna whip around and go, somebody sounds like Mahomes in here. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's uh Well, Netflix had that series that was uh, I think quarterback, it was just quarterback or something like that. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember who else was in it. Um Kirk Cousins was in it. He was in it. Uh, the quarterback with Mariota. The, yeah, Mariota. That's right. And he just came off as just this regular down-to-earth guy, you know. Uh, and it was kind of funny. The, the one thing that kind of stood out to me, like, <laughs> my wife was totally supportive of me. But if she would have ever asked me a football question, I would have fallen over, you know. I, she And it was pretty specific. His wife asked him something about, uh, yeah, well, what about that third down play when this happens? He's like, yeah, well, they, you know, they had the blitz come in and they had this whole conversation about it. And I think it, I think he probably goes through some of that stuff with his wife, you know. Hey, uh, you know, can you quiz me on my uh, playbook this week or something? So pretty, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty like, funny. It's like running lines with an actor or something, you know, getting them ready for the game. Yeah. Getting them ready for exactly. the movie. Yeah. Um, hey, one of, one, of the, uh, one of the things that took place in this game that, <clears throat> the way it was treated afterwards was like, ah, that's us. We're family. This is how we communicate. There was that moment where Travis Kelsey came off the field and was just frothing at the mouth. He was mad. And he went up to Andy Reid and kind of jostled him. I don't know if he was trying to grab his arm. He didn't chuck him. He didn't shove him as some portrayed. But he he made contact with him. And Reid joked after the game, like, ah, my balance is terrible. He just yeah. surprised me. What do you think of that interaction? Because there are some people like, ah, oh, people making a big deal of nothing. This happens more than people think. Other people saying that is so disrespectful. What a creep. What was your take on that? I thought I thought it was a great test of Andy Reid's character that he wasn't gonna you know fly off the handle or get angry during a game like on game day. Like you don't 
mess with guys, right? Like, I just remember getting in screaming, you know, contests with mainly it was Rusty Tillman. Rusty Tillman right. was very fiery, and he was a coach. I loved him, loved him, but you know, you don't you don't go up to somebody and say things like that. I mean, he'll snap back, and I feel like Andy Reid was just kind of like, no, it, it's okay, calm down, and it looked like. He like he stepped on Kelsey's shoe or something, or yeah, he got jostled off balance. Yeah, like his they, knee kind of buckled or something. Yeah, he made a joke <laughs> about it in the post game. I was watching. Who was it? Berman was interviewing him yeah. along with uh, Booger McFarland, and he was joking about it. My balance isn't what it used to be, or my balance is terrible, or something yeah. like that. It was, but I mean, it, it his response was just like exactly everything that you thought about Andy Reid. Yeah. That he's just this grandfatherly or fatherly kind of guy that just he understands and look that stuff happens on the on the sidelines all the time. There's nothing uncommon about uh, an incident like that. Just I, the cameras caught it and it's the biggest game of the year. Yeah, I yeah. mean, do you, do you feel worse about Travis Kelsey? No, I just I in the moment I was kind of like, whoa. I think I retweeted yeah. the clip and that's what I said, whoa. Uh, but it was just kind of. <laughs> Just in the moment, you're like, "Oh, geez, what was that about?" You know, he looked he looked beyond angry. I'm not sure what it was he was angry about. Uh, well, I think it was because he had one target in the first half. I think it was in the first yard. half. Yeah. yeah. So I think it was he was taken out on that run play, and people were saying that was an indicator throughout the season when Kelsey came out, they're going to run the football, mm-hmm. and then because Noah Gray missed his block, Pacheco fumbled, and Kelsey said, "Keep me in the game," like he wanted to be in there. Yeah, so, I got you. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, he's here's, not known as a bad blocker. Yeah, I'm curious why they would take him out. Uh, Andy Reid explaining what happened in that moment. Was Travis giving that speech on the sideline when he ran into you in the first half? No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The balance looked good. Yeah, yeah, not so good. He tested tested that hip out. I know. Like JP's got a new hip, too. Yeah, man. You took a good hit right there. But but that's how you guys communicate sometimes. He caught me off balance. Normally, I'd give him a little bit, but you know I didn't have any feet under me. So he's joking about it. They all answered the question for him, apparently. But he, uh, you know, he looked like he was kind of like, hey, it's not a big deal. That was sort of his demeanor in the in the Berman interview. And then here's Travis Kelsey. He was asked about that same incident. When you and Andy Reid had that, what I call a very engaging conversation. Oh, you guys saw you guys saw that. What was the conversation well, about? Was it a few cameras? I mean, was it? Hey, I need the ball. I can help us win. What was that about? Uh, man, it was. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it between us unless my mic up tells the world. But uh, I was just telling him how much I love him. <laughs> and then there was an interview uh, with with Mahomes and Kelsey on set. Did you see that one? And they brought it up there. I didn't see that one. And no. Mahomes, and I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember exactly how he worded it, but basically like, hey, see? Now that that shows you the relationship. Like mm-hmm. using it as a positive. Like, hey, that that's this is what is special about this place and our team and, and how we love each other and we can argue. Essentially pointing it out as a positive like he kind of jumped on it and didn't shy away from it who said that Mahomes yeah see I think that's perfectly put Uh, really really good job by him because that's you know that's how families are you get passionate sometimes about uh, certain things and you're not afraid like you know that if you do kind of cross a line it's not going to be okay you're done like it's somebody you barely know you're like that person's weird. Don't ever come near me again. But that's just how family is. So, yeah, I like that. I like that uh, that he was able to kind of sum that up. You know, um, I feel like he's a younger version of Andy Reid. Patrick Mahomes is. You know, he's like he, like we were talking to uh, Rustin there about uh, how he pretty much always says the right thing, doesn't mm-hmm. get himself in trouble a lot, and 
Yeah, so, I mean, it's funny. I don't think that you had to be an ex-football player to understand that that's how it gets on the sidelines, right? right. All right, coming up, uh, the game was dramatic, certainly, but how did the commercials and the halftime show stack up? Lots of opinions on these two things. You guys can text in on that as well at 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Uh, uh, Chiefs are Super Bowl winners once again. Our thanks to Rustin Dodd of The Athletic. Also wrote a book on Patrick Mahomes. Joined us in the previous segment. In case you guys missed that conversation, it will be available on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. Now, too, it's funny... It, no matter how good or bad a Super Bowl is, I find that the biggest points of conversation outside of the game, and often they surpass the game, are opinions on the halftime show and opinions on the commercials, which are fun. To me, it's fun because it's all subjective. There's no right answer. It's, I loved it. I hated it. Okay. Uh, but halftime show with Usher and uh, Alicia Keys was in there and Ludacris and a couple of other artists ultimately, but... What was your what was your feeling about it? Reba McIntyre, I only heard, and it just seemed okay because oh, I was for the national anthem. I was yeah. preparing my yeah, little I was, I, That one felt a little like, eh. yeah. I that mean, there like was nothing C plus. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty pretty average. Nothing. Chris crazy. was it? Chris Stapleton last year. He. I'm not even a country fan. That dude crushed it last yeah. year. That was so good. I had to go back and listen to that to see what was so great about it. And he was right. fantastic. Yeah. Um and then halftime show. I thought Usher was really good. No? I th- I thought he's a I, I give him a ton of credit for singing live, which is a rarity with pop artists at the Super Bowl. So now, you, the, you're for sure able to tell when somebody's dubbing it. Yeah, or you can like, you can tell. The mics yeah. are always hot, but very often they're singing to a track. So the mic is hot so that they can go, oh, Las Vegas or wherever they're at. They can yeah. they can sing along. They can they can, you know, have that that level of spontaneity. But he was singing live because there was a couple of clunkers in there, note wise. But he he was singing live. I give him a ton of credit for that. Backing vocals were on tracks. Uh but you know, there's just so much it's so much more about the visual, the dancing, the dancing. I'm, you know, I'm more the music, right. and I'm not a huge Usher fan. I don't dislike him. I'm just sort of indifferent. So I thought, yeah, it was fine. It was okay. But what what I loved is getting on social media and just seeing it was there was no. The, I was in the minority with yeah, it was fine. It was okay. It was that's top five ever or that was trash. It was just one extreme or the other. Somebody that was terrible. What a joke. That was one of the best I've ever seen. It was, there was no middle ground there on that one. I found really interesting. Huh. So I, I, I was kind of in, I feel, I'm definitely in the minority on that. Cause I was like, yeah, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I thought it was okay. It's not my top 10. It's certainly Prince is the King. I'm sorry. Greatest halftime show I've ever seen. It is to me. It's Were not you there. Close. Yeah, I was there. Was it raining? It was raining. Yeah. It was warm, but it was raining. It yeah. was it was soaked. I remember at one point there was like a flag or something and you could see the silhouette, the silhouette yeah, of the big him. sheet or whatever, the big curtain, whatever you want to call it. But at one point he was holding his guitar at a certain yeah, yeah, level that was sort of provocative, certainly. <laughs> yeah, I I do remember that. Uh but yeah, it just the one thing the thing that fascinates me the most was looking at all of the people and that stage and everything that they were shoving out there. They and have it down to the science. Of. 
I mean, I'm surprised like a player hasn't been run over, you know, because <laughs> those guys are trying to get that stuff off the field. Yep. Stupid question. It is grass there, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and I feel like, you know, there could be some heavy stuff. I mean, that you chew up the field put and grooves in the yeah they've got it down to a science man it's that, impressive that is impressive but it's a little bit longer right yeah yeah it's yeah, a, it's so, longer than your normal halftime right. so i i mean overall visually yeah there was a lot going on people people were like dude he was on skates that was amazing i'm like i've seen people roller skate before it's yeah it's i forgot about that part i mean it was interesting it was cool how they incorporated it but I don't know. I, I guess I wasn't as dazzled by roller skating as other people were. Do you think he was a roller skater in the past? And I know, He's a hell of a dancer. Dude can yeah. move. He, he sang live and he danced his ass off. So, you know, good on him. <laughs> uh, but did what did you think of the halftime show? Was it in your top 10 or was it in your bottom 10? It was just the, there seemed to be so many extreme opinions. But what about the commercials? Did you did you watch? Did you catch them all? I not all of them because uh, one of them Mike just played for me and it was the first time I'd seen it. So and that was the one with Tom Brady and who well else? The, the Duncan with uh, Ben Duncan. Affleck and Matt Damon. And yeah, J Lo. Yeah, and Mike showed it to me. And I thought like, that was pretty funny. Yeah, that that was pretty good. My favorite was Christopher Walken. Yep, those the Duncan and Christopher Walken, which I believe was BMW. I think that's what he was. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah, I, I really like that. And then it was pretty funny with the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't know if you've seen all the neighbor over the last like neighbor. three weeks. They keep showing like the State Farm emblem and then him and then what's, you know, what's what's coming and it ends up being comedy. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny. They had trailers for a commercial. Like yeah. it's a movie. Like right. you're anticipating this thing. But uh, yeah, it was it was I, I thought those two were the best. I didn't I didn't. I'm trying to think if there were any that stood out like, ugh, that was terrible or that was cringy. There were some that were just kind of like, eh, whatever. But I thought I, those stood out to me: the Christopher Walken and and the um, and the State Farm, the Duncan. No, the one. Oh, the Duncan yeah. one. Yeah, you didn't but, like the neighbor. It was okay. It was fine. Yeah, it, it took me a minute on that Mountain Dew one to figure out that that was Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. Okay. It took Dave a minute on Michelob Ultra to figure out that was messy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't know who Messi is. Uh, everybody in my neighborhood probably knew exactly who he is, but because we have a very international neighborhood, and people are always telling me about how soccer is the greatest game in the world, I'm like, yeah, go ahead. What an annoying go neighborhood ahead. you live in. No, no, they're very nice people. <laughs> very nice people in my neighborhood. Love my neighbors. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, and I'm like, yeah, that's great. Soccer's awesome. Good for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to watch my football. Well, yeah, I didn't recognize Messi. Did you have any favorites, Lefko? Uh, Dunking's the best. Yeah. You know what I liked? T-Mobile with uh, Jason Momoa singing oh, that's with, right. when uh, he was singing Zach, with Braff Zach Braff and, and yeah. Yeah, Donald mm -hmm. Faison or whatever. Yeah, uh, then and, and then what? Who, Uber was, Eats was, who was that up there that said, do it again with your shirt off? Or, not you two. You two keep your shirt on. Oh, who was, yeah, yeah. Who was it that was in the commercial? There was a famous female. Oh, I'm blanking on who it was. She was in that same commercial. Right. And she's like, Wasn't yeah. it j -Lo? Where she said, take your shirt off? Or no, something? no. It was. Uh, oh, no. She's the one that said, you can stay, Tom. Yeah. Kicked everybody else. Yeah, out. yeah. There was somebody in that commercial where she was basically telling Momoa, do it again, but with your shirt off. And then yeah. the other two guys, she's like, no, you keep yours on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that I thought was kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, Matt, you didn't see any of it because you were out running errands and shopping. He's so. playing video games. <laughs> I Watch did see the Deadpool Wolverine trailer afterwards. Oh, yeah, yeah. I am incredibly excited. You, you fired up for that? I really am. That looks. That looks. I love the Deadpool movies, so I'm. I'm excited for that one as well. So Ryan Reynolds yeah. is back again. Who's Who's doing the? 
Well, is it going to be Hugh Jackman? Jackman? Is it Hugh He's Jackman? Back. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't remember seeing him as part of that, but well, he uh, wasn't in the first two. Do you think it's going to be uh, in cartoon or? No, I think it's going to be live action. It's going to be real humans. Since you know the trailer wasn't live actions, and uh, I don't really watch cartoons. Uh, Jennifer Beals, by the way. Jennifer Beals. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Oh, because yeah. they were yeah, it was dance. from Flashdance. Yeah. That's right. That yeah. makes sense now. Yeah, Jennifer Beals. You're right. Um, yeah, they threw a bone to a couple of us uh, boomers. You know, yeah. some of the old references, like to twins and stuff like that. Yeah, Danny DeVito, and that, yeah. that was pretty cool. I just want to point out, I'm on the fringe of boomer. You're not a boomer. So, I'm really right. Yeah, I am technically. Are you? Last year of it? Yeah. I thought you missed it by a year. I had it backwards. Yeah. I will say, um, wasn't my favorite because I had already seen it. They had leaked it out earlier. But E-Trade's Pickleball Babies. Oh, uh, I thought you and I saw the Pickleball. Yeah. I, I, I even took notes on my phone because I was I was looking at these commercials. <laughs> there was a line in that commercial. Oh, Tennis for Babies? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that one? I saw the commercial, but I don't remember yeah, the so details. So two adults are playing two babies that were talking to each other, and they're like, this is basically Tennis for Babies. I mean, yeah. Kind of making fun of Pickleball. Oh. <laughs> Did you see the one with Tyler Lockett? What? The, the, yeah. Where they're... He, he like lands like a bird and they fly off. It was, uh, let's see, I wrote it down in here. For Sunday Ticket. Sunday Ticket commercial with the Seahawks flying through the air. And you see Tyler Lockett kind of like land on a, I don't know, like some beam or something. But he's crouched like a bird. And then mm. they take off. And all these wow Seahawks players and they were, I think there were like Eagles players and Cardinal, anything that was bird associated. How many times <laughs> did I go to the bathroom during the Super Bowl? Well, I think I this was, a lot. that one might have been right at the very beginning of the game because it's literally like the first note. It might have been before the game. So yeah, Tyler was in, in that in that Sunday That's ticket awesome. commercial. Yeah, That was pretty cool. Did you see the M&M one, Dave? The almost champions when they make the rings for that them? That was cool. That was pretty funny. Who was in that? Uh, it was you Marino. You did go to the bathroom Marino, was yeah. it Bruce Smith in there? I went to the kitchen a lot. It was a uh, yeah. It was uh, a Bruce Smith, Scarlett Johansson too, because she's been a runner-up, I guess, a couple Oscar. times. Yeah, there was there were three players though. I think it was Marino, Bruce Smith, and there was one other player that hadn't won a ring. But it was like the the almost Super Bowl champions. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That, I thought they were pretty cool. I thought it was. I thought overall pretty cool. Halftime show was eh, it was fine. Did you like the halftime show, Lefko? Oh, uh, Terrell Owens and Bruce Smith. Terrell yeah. Owens. Uh, okay. Yeah, I did Poor because Bruce that's Smith. for my like. That's my generation. Like growing up, that was Usher, you know, and that's the kind of music I like. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. Okay, Bruce. brought me brought me back to like middle school, high school days. Your your roller skating days? Uh, no, but like <laughs> middle school, high school dances. You know, okay. the awkwardness of all that. So who wouldn't uh, want to relive that? Yeah, it's glorious times. All right, coming up, what could have gone differently for the 49ers? We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on Seven Ten. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. The Kansas City Chiefs once again, your Super Bowl champions. And uh, it was interesting to hear the conversations after the game, Dave. Just, you know, all the talking heads out there. The Chiefs Chiefs didn't have the better team on paper, but they're the better team on the field. The roster of the 49ers is better. Uh, the 49ers lost it as much as the Chiefs wanted. Everybody had a different opinion. Did you come out of it feeling like 49ers blew this, or did you feel like, hey, the better team won? I always look at it this way of like, if they played 10 times, who would win? You know, and I feel like it would be six with Kansas City and four with, with the Niners. Uh, there were so many times. I think here's what the problem is. How many times this year did you see the Kansas City Chiefs and go, 
Oh my God, they're just unstoppable. They they're they're incredible. Like they're just they're blowing teams out. This is a down you, year for them. You said that with the 49ers. Yeah. A lot. Chiefs, um, I think the Chiefs even at the beginning of the playoffs were all kind of like it's been they haven't looked great. Their no. defense was, but the offense was just down all year. Lots of drops, you know, Led and you the get league. the best quarterback uh in in the league pretty much. So yeah, I, I felt like uh, you know, that was that was and and definitely I think the Chiefs would win it most of the time, but it's pretty amazing just just the lack of familiarity with their roster. There's a couple yeah. of times I'm like, who's number 83? Who's number 47? Who's number 69? I mean, it was, I mean, on their team, I think maybe it's just because they're in our division and we didn't play the Chiefs this year. We did last year. So I was fairly familiar with their roster and kind of got woken up to guys like Nick Bolton, who yeah. led with tackles, you know, 13 tackles. But, the, you know, there's a lot of no names. Especially their their defensive backfield is really good, and they you know you don't you don't, they don't get a lot of love. So, but I, I do think that um, that they definitely won the game. That the Forty ers didn't necessarily lose it. Yeah, the Chiefs. When you looked at their season, they just didn't have that dominance. They had some bad losses. I mean, they they got worked by the Broncos, twenty four to nine. They got beat by the Las Vegas Raiders at home. Yeah. So you're yeah. you know, and their other losses were to Philadelphia and Green Bay and uh, Detroit. You know, better teams, but still, they just they were off by their own admission. They said they were off. You know, yeah. this year offensively, just didn't line up. Um, and then they they found it in this game. Now, do you feel like uh, the the 49ers were dealing with injuries that were crucial? I mean, Dre Greenlaw is is they show him hyped up, ready to sprint off the off the sideline onto the field, and he pops his Achilles. You just see him just go down as he's running onto the field. And he's down, and you're like, what the hell happened? Like, you didn't so run into bizarre. anybody. You didn't see his leg bend in a weird way. There was no, oh, my cleat got stuck in the turret. Nothing. He's, you see him like, I can't wait to get out there. Boom. He goes, takes two steps, and he's down. And so, he did find he, out like, he popped his Achilles. Did Like, off the bone? I, I think just so that, tore it. Or just, just a, a tear. Because yeah. to me, I'm like, you know, you look at, like, the thing that happened with Aaron Rodgers, you could kind of see something there. I remember Trent Dilfer was a most disgusting thing I've ever seen in a replay other than I'd say my knee dis- dislocation but when he Trent stepped back and then you could see the whole thing pop and his heel just go straight to the ground yeah but with Drake Greenlaw there really wasn't that much force that was just such an odd and you know and I thought okay it's a good thing that that's not artificial turf because then everybody would be saying okay would they want to play on grass which grass by far the less consistent surface yeah certainly. which is very weird to me but if he and you know and i heard these questions of what if he played you know i well he, and kittle left the game for a bit i mean he was yeah. he was not really a part of it he had three targets the whole day two catches four yards but he got dinged up that you saw him take him off the field he went into the locker room for a bit came back out you saw debo samuel leave with a hamstring for a while he he's got the bad shoulder i don't know how physically compromised he was uh when so, did Greenlaw go down was it like the Second quarter. I thought I wrote it down. Let me see my yeah, yeah. like nine twenty six in, into this. There was nine twenty six left in the second quarter. In the second so quarter. early second quarter. Yeah. So, you know, at that point they had been kind of shutting down um, Kelsey, and you know maybe you could say that's what happened in the second half because Samuel, or I'm sorry, um, uh, Dre Greenlaw, pretty good coverage guy. But and and I saw a thing. There was a a little 
Actually, it was just an interview with Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. There was no mediator. It was just those two, and Fred was kind of running the show, and those two. Get... Fred Warner's fantastic. Like, he, he really is just an awesome guy. Everybody loves him and all that. So, But, yeah, I think those two, that tandem, uh, breaking that up is, is pretty pretty significant, I think. But I don't think they win the game because of it. Yeah, it was it was a bummer to see that, even though I was – definitely rooting against the 49ers. I was like, oh, man, I don't want to see that. That that sucks. You know, yeah. seeing him go out like that. Uh, and then I remember when I when I popped my calf muscle literally in a softball game taking a step. I didn't even sprint. Just took a step and it popped. Did it feel like somebody shot you? I felt like I got kicked. Yeah. It was kind of like, whoa. <laughs> and then, then the pain kicked in. But yeah. what, what my doctor told me, and I don't know if this is true across the board, when it's something that innocuous, there was probably already a terror there. Oh, yeah. And this just, you stepped the right way and it finished it. So maybe he already had something un- unknowingly, uh, unbeknownst to him, going on with the Achilles. And that was just the final moment because he didn't step awkwardly he didn't there's uh-huh. nothing awkward about it didn't bump into anything anybody just went down what a bummer for him too i mean you know not only not getting to play the second half and thinking hey you know i probably could have helped this team win but he's got to go to surgery now and rehab that what a bummer man what did you what did you think of uh of that call by by uh shanahan it's fourth and three and they're at the Chiefs' 15-yard line in the fourth quarter. Yeah. You kick the field goal, you tie the game. Right. Fourth and three, they go for it. They convert. But I'm sitting there going, whoa, this is the Super Bowl. Do you, don't you take the points there and tie this thing up? But he went for it, and it worked out for him. I mean, that to me, that took huge stones right I, there to make that call. That's exactly what I wrote down in my notebook. Stones. Yeah, I mean, it, that's kind of – I think they've probably done that more than we realized this year. And – you know, kind of like the same thing with, um, you know, get taking the ball in overtime. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I, you know, I said in my text, maybe it was some hubris there. Like he maybe should have been a little bit more, um, you know, not so cocky, but he was like, hey, this is my offenses. You know, this is my baby. We've done this all year long. Fourth and three. We can pick that up. Yeah. You know, we can get a first down with uh, with four downs, which is kind of what you put the position uh, uh, Mahomes into because you took the ball first. So, yeah, I thought that part, um, you know, was it, it seemed very in character with him. Yeah. Uh, just a couple other elements. The blocked extra point ended up being huge. Oh, my gosh. That yeah. was that was huge. Uh, you had the turnovers that the that it was weird to see McCaffrey fumble early in that game. They said he had two lost fumbles the whole season. Yeah. Just so not what he does. But then you had the special teams one where initially – everybody's jumping on Ray Ray McLeod. Like, what are you doing trying to field that punt? And then you see the replay. It bounced off his teammate's heel. Right. And he saw it. So it was a heads-up play by him to try to field it. Obviously, it didn't work out. But that yeah. turnover was huge. I wonder if he was supposed to, like, you know, guys, get away from the ball. We had a call for that, that, you know, that whenever you hear it, and you could have heard it in that stadium, yeah. everybody just bolts away from from the returner. Because they're supposed to get generally where it's coming down. And, you know, obviously um, – <laughs> that nobody got that message, but I think the guy was like four yards away. It wasn't like he was like right on top no. of him. That was just really, you know, both that and the the blocked uh, extra point were just kind of bad luck. Yeah, yeah, that was. I felt almost felt bad for McLeod because I was right there with everybody else. Like, dude, what are you doing? What a knucklehead play! And then they yeah. showed the replay, and you're like, oh, it hit his teammate's heel. Now it makes sense, but yeah, it's just those were. 
is that why they lost? No, but it's kind of a combination of everything. The missed extra point, that turnover. Yeah. You know. Chuck it, Knox used to say games come down to three or four plays. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There's two of them. All right. Coming up, uh, we've got some more insight into what the Seahawks offense is going to look like under Mike McDonald. And there are a couple of reasons to be excited. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.